Hey everybody, welcome again back to JizzTalking.com. We're here this week with a, a unique guest. It's uh, not somebody who may have done a lot in front of the camera, but behind the camera, behind the scenes, uh, behind the computer, they're a superstar. So anyway, with us today is Roger T. Pipe. Roger, how are we doing today? I'll unmute you here. You can tell us all about it. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. You know, I, I, I really don't know yet. We've never met. Uh, we're friends on Twitter, and that's about it. Uh, I met you, I knew you through a guy named Jack Cannon. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, sometimes he's a train engineer, sometimes he's a, an Elvis impersonator, and sometimes he's a porn star. It's yes. Tough, it's uh, tough to keep track of Jack. <laughs> it, it is very tough to keep track of Jack. I've uh, been on a couple of Jack's uh, sets, shot camera for him a couple of times, so... Yeah, he, uh, I remember in one, let's see, we were at Exotica in Denver together in 2017, and he, boy, he, he said all sorts of nice things about you. So well, I'll have to uh, send him a box of chocolates for Valentine's Day. <laughs> anyway, give us uh, a little bit of a, a thumbnail sketch of who we're talking to today. Uh, I'm Roger Pipe. I run the site rogerviews.com. Uh, started that in 1996, so it gives you an idea of how uh, long I've been doing this. Uh, reviewed a little over 8,000 uh, movies, websites, scenes, etc. on the site. Started way back in the VHS days. And uh, been around the industry for a little longer than that. But uh, vote for the AVN Awards, Inked Awards, X-Critic, XRCO, all of the uh, critics' organizations, uh, get to uh, vote in all their awards and let fans know what's good and what's bad. How does that start up? I mean, you, you started from uh, 95, 96, somewhere in there. Was it just you were established and caught on or somebody knew somebody or how did that, how did that all transpire? This goes way back internet days, back to when we had news groups and mm -hmm. people of similar interest, right. would get together and, and post on, on message boards. And I had uh, gone to a couple of adult shows, collected some uh, autographs, kind of got to know the industry a little bit, and found a couple of groups where people were talking about adult movies in a way that I had never seen before. Avian was, was good. I worked in a video store. We used it. It was very useful. But these were fans talking about movies in ways that the magazines and the main press didn't. And I was really sort of attracted to that and the honest sharing of information about, okay, this is good. This isn't good. And I decided one day that I would review the kind of see them. My office is always a mess. I had a stack of movies, popped one in the VHS player. Yes, it's that long ago and did a review, threw it out there and was amazed that I got feedback. And it sort of grew from there. Wow. That's, that's just amazing that, <clears throat> you know, the little guy can actually make a difference. And that's kind of how you start out. Just uh, those news groups are something else. <laughs> I will tell you that. It was, it, was a, it was a great way to exchange information. And again, with fans, this is way, way before social media, way before you could, could really interact with other fans or performers in any way. It really opened everybody's eyes. And I was pleasantly surprised that there was the kind of feedback that I got. And uh, shortly after, I got some help from the guys who would later create IAFD.com and built the site and haven't stopped. And again, that, um, let me get my pen up. That, that site again was what again? IAFD. Oh, oh no, your, your website, the review oh, website. Mine. mine is, mine is rogerreviews.com. 
Okay. And we do have um, we do have a couple of former adult stars in the group today. We have uh, Sean Elliott here, uh, who worked uh, back in the day, uh, Lisa Deleu and Sue Nero, and some of those superstars. And wow. Eric Monty is is with us. He's worked with Taj Ray, and uh, he's going to tell you more about who he worked with, Kelly Nichols, and a few of those people. So, um, and then we have Charles. He's he's here from San Francisco, and he's got his own. Uh, uh, show on uh, is it Amazon, Charles? You're you're famous now on Amazon. You're a super fan of the Giants. Amazonprime.com, yes. Oh. Uh, only because I weirdly spent. I'm a huge autograph collector, I guess, and spent 35 years getting every autograph in a '79 Giants media guide, which actually turned out to be a lot of fun. So, so. I'll start out with you, Charles, with the first question. Okay. Um, ooh, I don't know quite, um, what were, what was your, how did you rate movies and what were you, I, I love, I love the early porn movies from the seventies and eighties where they have a plot and a story and a storyline and all that. And it's like kind of real acting, if that makes sense. And I wanted to find out, so how did you view, how did you grade movies kind of is I think what I'm trying to ask. Sure. Um, I started with a one to 10 scale because it seemed easy. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had pluses and minuses. So it ended up being a lot of different gradients. And when I started, I didn't really have a plan. So I, I sort of threw a number on it. And then over the years, it developed where I separated out plot and acting versus the technical aspects. Um, and again, people who are only watching now, everything looks pretty good now. You go back 25 years and there's a huge difference between what looked great. And oh, what looked I know. Bad. No, yeah. So that was a little more important back then, but I'm like you, I, I started watching when there were stories. So I do appreciate that. I love all kinds of film. Mm -hmm. So I, it definitely factors in, but also as a, as a fan. And the reason I started uh, was to give the paying customers what they were looking for. Right. And there was a huge, huge portion of the audience that really didn't care as much about story and wanted to know if it was hot. So I, I kind of balanced back and forth. I still am a sucker for a good story. Um, right. So that's still my favorite kind of stuff to review. Excellent. Yep. Well, thank you for asking my question. On those news groups, you know, if you want to get a picture of one of the one of the scenes or you know a picture of Christy Canyon, took about a week and a half to download on dialogue. <laughs> yeah. and, and and you could save about two of them on one of those little mini floppy disks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a girlfriend down. What, what's all these floppy disks around here for? I don't know. Um, but as a matter of fact. I, I do in my computer repair business, I've got some floppy disks. I, I have oh, a yeah. floppy disk player uh, reader, and so I've got to get those off for some, somebody who wants them on their, their computer. So anyway, I feel your pain. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, again, you, you touched on how we've progressed in the last 25 years. There, I would say there's about, there's many differences, but you, you would have technical aspects, the acting and the scenes. I mean, now it seems to me we're kind of back to loops. We're just doing loops now with, with scene by scene. Yeah, we, we really are. We've, we've sort of deconstructed so much that the idea of a movie is almost unheard of, really. The, the vast majority isn't shot that way. And it started with the beginning of DVDs when unrelated scenes, five, six, seven in a movie, uh, and they sort of lumped them together by, by theme. But again, that was before even websites. And now 
you're, most companies are shooting content for their site and they'll put it together for a DVD or as a movie later. Um, it, it's really changed a lot for the better, for the worse, I guess, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Let's bring in Sean Elliott, who was, uh, uh, didn't have that long of a career, but man, the talent he worked with. Man. <laughs> I had some good people, didn't I? <laughs> Hi, Roger. Hey, Sean, um, how are you? I'm good. How are you, buddy? I'm feeling so, pretty good. Good, good. Uh, yeah, as Patrick said, I, I did about 11, I think, documented. Uh, I made the joke last week. My my, my uh, scenes were like 11 movies, but I think my penis is probably in 50 film. And uh, we all had a laugh then, not right now. So I'll move on to the question. So my question to you and I've been thinking about this the last few minutes is because Patrick brought up the subject about acting and the film. And I'm wondering, you're, you're a reviewer, correct? So you review. Yes. And I know back in the day, just getting in the business, that something got me in there and it did. And I'm, I'm guessing that when you got in, they probably people that it was much more entrenched in the nineties, I'm guessing because the business was probably hard. You probably didn't get the respect. Uh, that maybe somebody on the inside would or a connection in plain English who if they knew you well, you're in better. Mm -hmm. So I always think that somebody can make that adjustment and make something big happen. And, and, and about doing scenes now, not everybody wants to act and everybody wants some, a lot of people want to get off, but isn't there a way that somebody with your voice could say, look, I'm hearing out there, if you are, that we want to see more content of acting, of plot, of something. Make a niche out of that instead of just like, you know, feet or anal or this or that. Why can't we do a part where people that actually have talent can work in this genre? Does that make sense? Because it's nothing there. If I go on, it's nothing there except of eight minutes, 12 minutes, and it's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it's still there. It's just not as prevalent. And I think the main reason is economics. Um, the way people consume the product is different than it was 25 years ago or even 10 years ago. When you had to, to pick up a VHS tape or a DVD um, and watch whatever the length of that was. Now, you can, you know, he was talking about how long it took to download a picture. Now you can live stream a, a scene, and if people are just looking to get off, that's super easy. Three to five minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it takes. Um, I think that's become more the norm. I still think DVDs and plot-driven is largely viewed by couples. And I think there's probably more couples watching on their big screen TV instead of on their phone or on their computer. So I, I think that's still the market. And it's there. And if we take the best five or six features every year, they hold up pretty well from the best five or six now you go down to 50, you're not close. But if you stick to just the very best, again, because of the technical aspects, because the people who want to act in this business are pretty good now, um, and because it's focused. Overall, you know, the, nothing like it used to be. But a, a lot of companies now, too, are going for, like, episodic. So you remember their website. This, this week you're going to get Chapter 1 of their movie. And it might last two months, Kind of like a Netflix show where you have to watch it once a week or once every two right, weeks. Right, right. I still prefer to get the DVD at the end of the year for voting, pop it in and watch the whole, the whole storyline go through. So it's there. 
I have a feeling we don't see more of it just because economics. They have to shoot now. You're lucky if you get a full day to shoot. Right. You got to do movies, and you've done stuff. You know, anytime you involve acting, you're going to have reshoots. People are going to not get their lines right. They've done such a good job of making things formulaic on set. You show up, your makeup takes this long, hair takes this long, we're going to shoot for X amount of minutes, and you're done. And I, I think that's really hard when you throw in, okay, the lighting wasn't right in that scene, or a plane flew overhead and messed up our dialogue. You know, that, that's kind of what I, I I I get that, and I and I get it. I did legitimate film, too, and I, and I get where the money is quick and the economics, of, to your point, of making a movie. However, I think with your power, maybe it could guide them. If you spend the money, I mean, back in the day, and everybody will know, they had adult film review. They had all the magazines, which you could do online now. You could actually branch out to stardom. And I guess, to your point, I think I'm answering, the only question I'm asking is that you might get a star from then or even now that will do their own website, their own content, and try to build their brand that way and still the money doesn't have to be spent. I guess I just like anybody older, I pine for some of the older concepts because I think the talent is out. I get tired of looking at buff guys all the time, banging the crap away out of something. I mean, I get my moods too, but it seems to be the same thing all the time for a brief moment. I get the economics and I thank you for uh, uh, contacting, putting it into context, what's going on now. Probably makes your job a little harder to review because you can't elaborate on certain things in a, in a feature film that you could elaborate on. It, it makes the reviews feel a lot, um, a lot more repetitive. If, uh, you know, I'm watching the same, sometimes I've got a five scene movie DVD with the same male talent. So I'm watching the same person have sex in the same location, the same four positions. It gets a little stale. <laughs> it was more fun for me when, okay, I don't have to talk about the sex for a while. Let's talk about the story, the good parts, the bad parts. Um, I'm, I'm a film geek, so if you messed up the lighting, you know, kind of tweak that a little bit. See it. That was fun to me. Um, now it just seems it, it's less fun. I still try and have some fun with it, but I also recognize that for some people, they're looking for something specific. And yeah. ultimately, it's whatever gets the, the other person going that really matters. But yeah. I, I'm working on something this year on the site to really focus on features so that people can find them quickly, because that's probably the most common question I get now is, hey, I'm looking for a good story, something to watch with my wife or girlfriend, what would you recommend? So I'm working on a section of the site that just click there, here's, here's what I see that I really like. Well, I wish you well with it. Thank you for your time, too. Appreciate it, Roger. Thanks, Sean. You bet. Um, what Over the years, uh, when, when you would do a review, and then maybe down the road you maybe looked at Hustler's review of the same film, how did your reviews balance out with Hustlers or, or some of the other review sites? Yeah, that's a really good question. One thing I never did was read somebody else's review before I reviewed a movie. Um, I just didn't want, I didn't want phrases or ideas slipping into my head. Right. Um, in the beginning, and again, I, I vote for the Avian Awards. I have great respect for them. They're fantastic. Back in the day, they were written for store owners and with the complete backing of the industry. I wrote there for one month i wrote five reviews they didn't tell me what to write but you were supposed to be positive the advantage of being completely independent was if i hated something i could eviscerate it as i saw fit and you don't really see that 
if you go back and read any of the old publications, most of them didn't do that because you're offending an advertiser. On occasion, you'd get a, a harsh critic, but until independent adult reviews really came about, about the time I started, there were four or five others, it was a little more difficult to really talk about what you didn't like. Right. Okay. I think mine, to, to get back to your question, mine focused, I think, a little more on the sexual energy because I came from it as a young then, I was in my 20s, fan, as opposed to an, an already existing adult journalist or someone who wanted a career in journalism in the industry or even behind the scenes. I was just a fan. And I know when I spent my money to rent or buy a movie, I know it disappointed me if, if it wasn't there, or I knew the directors or the stars that really made me want to spend money. And that's really what kind of got started with me was I didn't have to tell people that John Staliano was great. They already knew that. Didn't have to tell them that Vivid Girls were beautiful. They already knew that. It was smaller stars, um, directors like Seymour Butts or stars like Caitlin Ashley, who were like second level that people might not see unless someone said, hey, go look at this girl. She's really fantastic. So that's more what I focused on. Okay. Speaking of that, uh, we did have a, a person who's not, uh, they're online, but they can't, uh, they don't have a microphone, they don't have a camera. Uh, his name is Pascal. Uh, hey, Raj, you reported that Caitlin Ashley died. It was posted on MikeSouth.com. Not sure if you're aware, but many fans online were questioning this. I asked you and you stated that you'd seen your bits and relevant dates, et cetera, taint, uh, names, towns, et cetera, all matched up. Some claimed it was wrong. Death was added to IMDB and IAFD, but both have since removed the date. So which is true? Oh, man. Okay. I'll try and give you the short version because this is a long version. Um, a long, long time ago, Caitlin Ashley, and I, Caitlin Ashley and I were friends. So there's some information I know about her, like her birth name. Right. The, there are websites out there that if you look for her birth name, they will give you a name that is wrong. So the reason that the reports of her death are um, disputed are if you look at the person who died, they don't, the, the birth name doesn't match what the Internet says is true. The problem is what the Internet says is true is her married name that she took on in 1992. If you actually do the research and know her birth name and compare where she grew up, pictures from classmates.com and the series of names she's had since she left the business, it does match up. Okay. Now, I have not spoken mm -hmm. to her family. She left the industry in 99, left town and did not speak to anyone again. So that's one of the reasons I kind of, I, I reported it and then went away from it because if she had wanted to have contact with anybody, she would have. So right. there, were, there were some people, um, uh, IMDB has, um, they removed their retraction of her death. They haven't added her death. I believe IFD has it back up. Um, again, people can look it up. I, I didn't publish her real born name because I just, again, I feel like respect for the family. It's there if people want to look past it. You just have to look past, well, the name's the, Kelly Hoffman is the name everybody has as her birth name. That's the name of Jay Ashley's real name, last name was Hoffman. She took the name Hoffman in 92. If somebody really wants to go research it, they can do exactly what I did and find. So unfortunately, she did pass. Uh, it's been close to three years now. Okay. Well, and that's, and we, and we get into this and it's like dotting I's and crossing T's. If they want to leave the business uh, and, they, and they don't want to have a, a, 
you know, the internet's changed a lot of things too. So I, I mean, Lisa DeLeo can say she died all she wants. And she, the, the character is dead. She has killed Lisa DeLeo. Mm -hmm. Now her real name is still alive, but I mean, uh, and, and we, um, we need to respect that. Um, if, and I feel bad for people who don't, and I feel bad for the family. She just wants to be left alone. She has killed that character and she just needs to be left alone. Sean, anything on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I left the business. Uh, I was in, in Roger from uh, 81 to about 84. And, and uh, the short end of it, I was getting more, more work and it was getting, and I knew I had a decision to make that I want to be out there. And in that time I was pursuing so-called legitimate theater and I, I didn't want to be known. And, and so I left and it took me a lot of years. And I had met uh, Annie Sprinkle a few years ago when this site, certain people started to come in. Susie Nero came in in my life. Somehow I got connected. And then Patrick, I met, Patrick pulls you in. I got to get out. He pulls you back in. So I love him. And, and, and it, it's actually, I, I feel that Lisa, to answer your question, but I think Lisa, I'm not a psych, but I think she would enjoy it if she could get out and still keep her separate life. Because quite honestly, I've gone through a lot of personal things in my life. I lost my son last year. And this group is, uh, we're older, we're, we're fun. You're seeing people that you haven't seen in many years. So I think on the one hand, if you want to get out of it, you're in your 20s or 30s, you're done, you're done. You, I respect you, God bless you. You want to be out of it and not found, fantastic. But you are on the internet, you will be found uh, for the most part if somebody really wants to find you. But the flip side of that is if you had a decent experience in it, and I did while I was doing it, and then to find friends and people to communicate that you like in the business that you understand and even enjoying the changes of how it's changing. I, I think it would be great if some people that got out of it, whatever decade and got back in into forums like this, not to put themselves out on NBC news at night, but to get into this, I don't see the problem with it, but that's not, that's not up to me. People have husbands. They've got, we know somebody that's got a husband. She's dying to get on this thing. She's afraid the husband will find out. So, I guess that's all my thoughts on it. If, if you, but I'm glad I came back out, see people that uh, from the old days, and to hear new people uh, speak about the industry. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It, it's really good. People who are younger and who grew up with social media don't understand how hard it was for fans. When you were in, fans of the movies didn't get a chance to meet you or talk to you or the stars you worked with once or twice a year at a trade show. That was that was the extent or writing letters and all of that knowledge and the stories that you guys have. If you could fast forward 25 years, you have this great social media, you can you can share them all. And it's nice that people um, are coming back and doing that because it's really they're such great stories that I think people would love to hear. And I'm, I'm really glad to, to talk to people who were in the industry back then. Well, if I may, thank you for that. And uh, I was surprised as an old adult performer, and I'm sure Eric was too, how much interest was out there. I, I didn't. It blew my mind, to be honest with you. Very flattering. And, uh, and I, I think they're missing out uh, not getting engaged because there's some really good people that actually recognize uh, that it was something. 
and it was enjoyable. Not just the golden age, but the whole industry itself. But for me personally, the golden age. So it's, it's cool that there are people that I respect now a lot that actually enjoy the work that we did and want to hear the stories because they're fun to hear. I'd love yeah. to hear Lisa. And trust me, I've got stories about her that I could give you in another hour. And it would be, <laughs> she was a doll. I used to hang out with her offset a lot. And uh, I'd like to see her face on here one day. So, yeah, I guess I hope that answers you, Patrick, a little bit too. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I remember having supper one night with, with Herschel Savage and, I showed him a picture of Lisa, and he's, oh, my God, yeah, that's her, that's her. He says, call her up. I said, no way in hell I'm going to call her up. You don't, you don't spook somebody like that out of the blue. I know that one of the guys in the group wrote Ona Z the other day and sent her an 8 by 10 to sign. And she wrote him back a very vicious letter on, you found my home address, and, and, and that's wrong. I mean, I've... There's been lots of stars I'd like to reach out to uh, to get them on here, but we haven't had all the people on here yet that are out there now. I mean, uh, I remember a couple, uh, several months ago, we've done this since April last year, and I had, um, uh, who did I have on? I had, um, let me look real quick. I had, uh, oh, Portia Lynn. I had Portia Lynn on, and somebody during the week says, Hey, maybe you'd get a bigger attendance if you, you gave away an autographed photo at the end of the of the show with Portia Lynn. I said, you've got an hour to ask Portia Lynn anything you want. That's your fucking prize. Right. Uh, fuck the photo. You got an hour with Portia Lynn for free. I mean, I don't get it. Nope, <laughs> Sean's saying I I I, I got to unmute Sean again. Hold on. What? Well, say what, Sean? I said that's what we used to call the raincoat crowd at the Melody. They'd come and they they get close, but no, no, no. I'm afraid to ask. They want you to do the asking. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm every three or four times a week. Have you found so and so? Have you found so and so? Have you found so and so? I mean, I wrote Tajeray once. She gave me an answer. Said that was the past. Thanked her. That was it. So tell her Eric's grueling for Tajeray. You may get a better chance at it. <laughs> I'll let Eric do that. Eric Monty's was Eric. Uh, Eric was in the business for about sixteen years, and and uh, you, you met quite a few, uh, quite a few stars. Worked with quite a few stars, and, and let's talk about a little bit about uh, your career and your relationship with AVN, and and see if Roger reviewed any of your movies. Yeah, hi Roger, how you doing? Well, I'm well. How are you? I'm fine. I started in '83. I was a school teacher, and I started. I was like like um um what's his name up uh, Sean. I. I took up acting, you know, I was, I was a serious actor. I took up acting classes and stuff. And I got into it simply because I was such a good actor and I could perform. I wasn't some hunky guy. I was in the greatest looking guy in the world. And I started in 83 and I, and I did some, I was with some really good actresses. So a lot of the things that uh, Sean says are spot on, you know, the good storyline, the good acting. That's one of the reasons I, the, the producers knew and directors knew I could act. And um, one, at one of the shows I was at in Vegas, I met uh, uh, Bill Stopwatch Cates. You remember Bill Cates? He said to me, mm -hmm. I mentioned one of the scenes that he says, you know, Eric, you, you were the, the ordinary guy. A lot of guys could relate to you being an ordinary guy. You know, and look at this ordinary guy with Kelly Nichols or with Julie Ashton and stuff like that. You know? I remember. And that being the case, I was in 83 to 99. Since Now, since you were in the 90s, you, do you remember the scene I was in, New Wave Hookers 5 with Julie Ashton? It was me, Dave Cummings, the two businessmen, I guess not, maybe. I, you remember that? I, you know, I just saw a review of that movie here. Uh, just off camera. Yes, I do. 
Okay. <laughs> so, okay, there you go. You should send me the review of it if you can get the email from it. Uh, Eric Monty was stellar in his scene with... <laughs> oh, really? Dave, you're pulling my leg. But anyway... Dave Cummings was a, was a great guy. Dave was a great guy. Yeah, everybody I, that was directed by Michael Nin and, you know, and... Uh, you know, everybody was nice. And actually, Jane Jane Hamilton hired me because she remembered me. From, she remembered me from New York. I'm I'm Philly based. I'm based. I'm born and raised in Philly, but then I, I was in LA for a while. So it was like, but Sean has said a lot of things that I from my own heart as well about the, the plot. And the it just seemed to add to me. It seemed to add, and as a fan at the time, a lot of eroticism. The plot itself, you know, the, the costumes, the period pieces, Roger. You know what I'm saying? The, uh, the the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, or whatever. It just was so cool. You know what I'm saying? I, I think you know what I mean, and um, uh, Sean knows what I mean. It just added a lot of, um, you know, eroticism to everything. It, it, it Guys like me and Eric probably wouldn't get the parts today. That exactly. You know, I, I wasn't. Because, you know, you got to be buffed up, and yeah, you know, it's a different look. Guy, today. Everybody looks you know, the same. Well, he said that to me. Was Bill said that to you? Because you were just an ordinary-looking guy, and yet in respect, guys could identify with that, and that made a lot. You know, guys got to understand that later on. Uh, you know what I'm saying, uh, Roger? Yeah. The producer, you know, now, I know for me as a viewer, as a viewer, Roger, when I, before I became an actor, if I saw this ordinary, like, average skinny guy with a gorgeous woman, I'd say, holy cow, that was more erotic to me. Right, David? Sure. <laughs> you know? Are you married, Roger? I am, yes. Were you married when you were a fan? Uh, I was. So give us a little input on the on the better half like my wife's upstairs she knows i'm on that i'm still trying to drag her down the wave maybe someday she will tell me it's not that she doesn't like it i'm just saying what is your wife what was the input you were a fan was she a fan you watch movies together i mean how did how did that work that's a great question and i, I used to get that asked that a little more often now than i do now but uh, yeah it, it was never something that i hid from anybody i had a relationship with um i enjoyed those movies i watched them i watched them with her um, when I first got into the business, I had a discussion with her because it started taking up a lot of my spare time. Because in the beginning, uh, you talked about having to have connections. Um, I literally walked around the AVN show with printed copies of my reviews, handing them to people, saying, here's what I do. And I did that for probably two years before people really noticed. So I discussed it with her. And what she basically said to me was, you love to write. Write. Do it. Um, she went to some shows with me, and at some point she said, I'm done with this. This isn't, I, I don't, she's, she's very shy. So am I, but it was a little different. It was my work I had to go and talk about. And she said, I'm not going to do this with you anymore, but you go ahead and, and uh, you know, the upshot is I had nine years of working at home when my kids were little, and I got to, to be with them all the time because I was doing this at night and making a living. So she's always been super supportive. Um, I used to get asked by fans how do you hide your porn from your wife and i would say i don't and you shouldn't either because if you have to there's a problem in your relationship and if the, one or the other is fine if you can't be with someone who can share that with you that's fine but maybe you you shouldn't have a big stash that you're hiding of anything from your spouse um so my mine was i don't and i never have and i never would so the roles are defined, though. The roles are defined. If you want to go to ABN award show, it's up. She don't need to go, and it works that way, and that's perfect. And that's that's all, no. that's all you can ask for. She she went. She met some of the people. She had no negative feelings at all. It just isn't her thing. 
Um, I've been on sets for years. She's always invited. It's not her thing. Um, right. She stopped going to award shows. Um, she was going to go the night that I was uh, enshrined into the XRCO Hall of Fame. She just happened to be very sick that night, so she missed it. Otherwise, she would have been there. Um, I could not ask for a better partner and a bigger fan. And, you know, I'm, I'm super lucky in that. Here's the million-dollar question, if I may. They talk about the fans. And when they, I saw people and we would go to shows and opening, I remember uh, Scoundrels, Eric. That me and Sharon were in front of uh, were there and somebody, I think Tiger, and uh, people would talk with the actor, with the talent. I was there for just to hang out, but they would ask them. So if you were a fan, and um, do you believe that fans actually learn something, not just from movies of our day to this day? Did it excite you? I'm asking a straight up question. Did it say, hey, I like this? Did it, did it affect that part of your brain where this is cool, I, I enjoy this? Yes, and I think in that way, older movies are a little better. Um, I have teenage sons. The last place I want them to learn about sex is from modern pornography because it yes. doesn't represent sex, really. A part of it, yes, and, and a legitimate part and all great. But when the time comes, they need to know there's a difference between how you should behave on a date and what you're seeing and what you should expect. And, you know, I, I think in the old days, there was a little more education, a little more educational opportunity and watching um and i don't again i'm not trying to uh sound like the old guy who's bashing the new stuff but i, I just think it was different and I, but again i think um in the old days back when, when you got you were in and i was starting there were only a certain number of movies that came out and they all kind of had to appeal to the whole audience if you're going to make a movie and it goes back to when it was in theaters right let's say there were ten thousand theaters throughout the country you had to make a movie that reached everybody. Right. As soon as VHS or DVD came along or computers, now we all have our own theater. So you can make a movie for a smaller portion of the audience. Now you can make your own solo scene for 20 people and still make money as a performer. Yeah. You can yeah. things and you don't need to educate very much. But I'm learning as a father and a grandfather that the young people, I'll be quiet after this, Patrick, I promise. He knows I go along is that uh, we sometimes, we don't give our kids or grandkids enough credit. They understand fantasy from reality. I like your, your premise, though, and I agree with the premise, but I wouldn't worry about the kids. They'll, they'll get it, that this guy, you know, taking a rubber hose up, it, it, that ain't real. That ain't happening on the wedding night for most people. I'll be quiet now. Thank you. <laughs> well, this, is, this, this is the first movie that, that my wife and I watched, uh, Up and Coming, with... Uh, uh, John Holmes in it and uh, Marilyn Chambers and an excellent movie there. And I think um, this was probably the last one we watched together because my wife liked the Dr. Drew celebrity rehab oh, stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but then my wife has a rule that once she meets the performer, she can't watch him anymore. So oh. we, just, we had uh, in October, we met with, uh, uh, we met Mike Horner and uh, Sharon Mitchell up in Portland. And so they're off the list. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that's just kind of how that works. Um, I want to promote next week's show is with uh, Jessica Darwin. And uh, Roger, you're welcome to come back anytime you want. I'll get you in the, if you want to be in the, I don't know if you're in our Facebook group now, our autograph Facebook group now, uh, you can join in any, any week you want and, and just uh, tune in because we, 
uh, we have a lot of folks coming up. So I would love uh, Jessica's fantastic. She was a, a great performer and mm -hmm. a really nice person. I interviewed her a few times and uh, she's got, I'm sure got some great stories. She came from one of the best eras as far as interesting stories come when she worked at extreme. Right. Um, there's a, there's a great book to be written there. If somebody ever takes on that three year period of time, there's sure. some pretty wild stories. Sure. Hey, we need to check in with Zach. Zach, what's going on today? Hey, how you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Hello? Yep. Okay, I'm having a little audio problems. Uh, I, got a, I actually had a ton of questions, but I'm not going to be limited on time. Um, I got one question, and actually I listened to your uh, podcast, and I actually uh, probably agree with uh, – was. Uh, I think it was a podcast you did on the uh, – back in November as far as the, uh, the, the award show, I don't know which, which, which one, but you were like going through all the, uh, all the candidates. And uh, as far as the question is, I just recently saw uh, a documentary on Brian De Palma. I didn't know this, that originally he had cast Annette Haven as uh, the part of Holly Body in that. And I was thinking about it, like, I know you're a big fan of Angela White. It, would there be anybody? I know they did this with Sasha Gray with the, um, the girlfriend experience you think there's anybody now that would be able to do an obviously a, a sexual driven storyline but would it be able to you know basically hold up an entire film with their acting ability and be able to do like that kind of art and the and the other part of it was gonna gonna mention from that podcast is I, I totally agree with you when you were talking about uh ethnic title um you basically said they need to you need to disconnect the interracial with, I think there's a new terminology called blended or mixed mm -hmm. or something. And I agree with that because Karen stars, you know, like I can think of on top of my head, Vicky Case, uh, Luna star are, uh, are ones I really like some of my favorites. And I think they're still sort of seen as like niche stars. And, and I think about back in the, all the way back to the nineties, some of my favorite stars were always the, the B stars that the wouldn't make the box. And they were always, maybe it's a, pre, a, a personal preference, like people like, uh, I guess, further back, Andy Cruz, prior to that, be Alicia Rio, uh, Pont, uh, uh, uh Neuro Knights. They really got kind of pushed into this sort of, uh, you know, same bananas it, it, uh, status. And I, I think I agree with you that it's, they, developing a new category for them is a good idea. Yeah, um, I've taken some notes on you. You have some good questions. I'm going to try and go in order. Um, do I think there's an actor in the adult that could carry a movie? I do. I wonder now if anybody could afford to pay them enough to make it worth it. Um, or if they would, they would want to put the time in to do a, a mainstream film while they're still trying to do adult. I don't recall if Sasha was done with adult when she did the girlfriend experience or not she was at the very tail end at least and when you're talking about a mainstream film obviously you're talking about a pretty big time commitment i think there are, there are some um angela white's a very good actress but honestly jessica drake I, from wicked i think is one of the best actresses in adult history and i know that's you know hyperbole but i really think she she could absolutely carry a movie um i also think to some extent the novelty isn't there um, Sasha Gray did a great job. It was also a novelty of hiring an adult actress. Um, years ago, Ashlyn Gear was on X-Files. Tracy Lords did stuff. Ginger Lynn did stuff. 
Um, so I, I, I think given the choice between 50,000 talented actresses and the 10 or 12 adult actresses who could carry a movie, you're probably going to have to have a good reason to hire them over somebody else. I'd like to see it. Um, like I said, I think there's some very good actresses. Um, as far as ethnic goes, and that's a really long story, but as a result of um, the social unrest and, and the, the changes we're trying to make in, in the country, a lot of the awards um, got rid of their ethnic categories this year and their interracial categories. And the point I was making in the podcast is in the industry, interracial has always been defined as black male, non-black female, and that's it. And that's not what the word means. And to people who like interracial sex for skin tone contrast or whatever, it, it limited it. And I like the moves that the industry's making. My concern is those categories traditionally gave women of color the opportunity to be recognized. And I, I do not want to see those opportunities taken away. Black male performers have at least won an AVN award. Lexington Steel has one performer of the year. We haven't seen that on the women's side. And I think my fear is that if we take away some of these categories, we're taking away people who make a kind of porn that is very popular and that allows women who are not 19 years old, blonde and white, an opportunity to shine. And as long as we balance what we're trying to do with making sure that we still give them that opportunity to shine, then I'm, I'm good with it. Hopefully that addressed it. And then, um, so back, back on, you said you liked maybe the second tier girls. I always had that as well. Caitlin Ashley was one of my first, Aurora Snow, stars that weren't necessarily top. And I used to always explain it this way. When I was in college, I didn't necessarily want to go home with the prettiest girl at the party. I wanted to go home with the girl that was going to be the most fun. And those two are not always the same. If they were, fantastic. But I, you know, and, and that's what always appealed to me, is a performer that is having a good time. There aren't really a whole lot of ugly women in porn. There just aren't. If you saw them out in the street, you're not going to turn them, turn away. So you're already picking from a pretty good crop. And if you find one that likes what they're doing and has fun, that was always more appealing to me. I always liked the girl at the party. You like the Snickers bars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's go to Aaron. Aaron's with us. And uh, what's going on uh, tonight, Aaron? Uh, just, you know, same thing, different day of the week. Just, you know, just doing my thing, I guess. Hello to everybody, the, the usual suspects. Um, Sean, you know I'm talking to you, so wake up. Sean, you there? He's on mute. Like I mute everybody. So, um, with that being said, what's up, buddy boy? Um, so, uh, with kind of piggybacking the fact that you're in the XRCL hall of fame, which congratulations for that, by the way, that's, 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 uh, pretty successful in its own right. I mean, I'm not going to take away from the AVN hall of fame by any means, but the XRCL hall of fame has a lot less people in it. And my understanding is that that's actually a tougher organization to get into. So to fall back on that, if you could maybe share some stories or what you remember the most the night that you actually received that award, because not too many people in this industry can actually discuss that. Oh, wow. 
that's a great question. Um, I mentioned earlier my wife was sick that day, so we, we sort of had plans. It was going to be our first evening uh, in the industry in a long time. That didn't happen, so I ended up having dinner with a really good friend. Uh, I got dressed up, wore a coat and tie, and just going back when I heard, I was really thrilled. Um, it, it peer, peer voting gets you in, and I didn't even know I was up for consideration. So when I heard um, from the, the head of the organization, Bob, I was, I was blown away. And my first reaction was, what about, and, and I named off several people that I, I honestly believe should have been in. But I, I was very honored. I took it very seriously. But I don't really like to be on stage in front of people. Even right now, even this gives me way too much anxiety. So I was a little... I can understand. What saved me, though, was the same night that I was inducted, Lexington Steel and Jules Jordan were also both inducted. And when I first started reviewing, Jules was the first new director after I started that really caught my eye. And Lex was one of my favorite performers. And we sort of developed a friendship over the years, a lot of interviews, a lot of having drinks and having dinner. And being backstage with them calmed me down quite a bit to see that these people who I respected and who were in front of the camera for a living were also a little nervous made it made it better. And I don't remember what my speech was at all. I couldn't tell you. I didn't really write it down. I just I was very thankful. And it, it, it's great to be recognized by a group of writers for what you've written. It It's kind of indescribable. And I still half of me still thinks, how could I possibly deserve it? But it was more than I ever could have dreamed of. It was it was really cool. And AVN is is still the Hall of Fame to me. And they have no reason to induct me. I didn't work for them. I'm honored that they let me vote in their awards every year. Um, but when you, you look at the list of people and you see who's been inducted and it's it's humbling. It really is. And the, the one thing I might regret about that night is because it was industry only. I really feel like the people who put me there weren't in the audience because it wasn't the industry that propped me up. It was the people reading, the people who sought out this little website and gave me feedback. The fans. It. Yeah, the fans. And that's, that's how I started. I didn't, didn't go looking for a job in a magazine. I started as a fan, and I still am. And that's the most humbling part about it. Yeah, go ahead, Sean. I was wondering if you use a nom de plume, and you write outside the industry. I, Roger is my nom de plume. Okay. And I do write outside of the industry, yes. What, may I ask you, what type of writings do you do? Um, <clears throat> some entertainment writing under a different name. Uh, also a lot of technical writing and game guide writing. Very, Thank very, you. very boring stuff compared to this. <laughs> Thank you. So you're the one that if, uh, like, way back when, when I was working at GameStop and we used to sell those uh, cheat guides for the video games. You're, uh, you're one of the guys that actually helped write those. Yes. The best part about that job is here's a new game. You've got three months to play it. That was the best part of that job was playing video games for, for 90 days and then writing for three. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's kind of cool to find out that little segue into your life, sir. There we go. Because, I mean, I, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, when I work in a GameStop, I, um, you know, we got to take out games for free. So that way, we're, you know, we're learning what we're selling, obviously, especially if you were 
an assistant manager or higher, which I was. And I would always ask my boss, hey, I know I can take the game, but is it all right if I borrow one of the guides if I'm really, really careful with it? And he's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I definitely appreciated those when I was playing games like Fable and Fable 2 back then, and I wanted to see all four of the endings of uh, each video game because that one I remember – it was a pretty loose-fitting, you know, role-playing game, and uh, you could do pretty much anything you wanted, but you had four different endings. You had two good endings based off of your decisions and two bad endings. So I kind of got wrapped up into that, and I would have been lost without one of those guides. So speaking to one of the authors of, of these guides, I, I definitely appreciate that side of your work back then. It, it, you get my grandson off Fortnite, I'll be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I don't get involved in that anymore. Once I left GameStop, I just I just stopped playing except for a few of the phone games that I play on my on my cell phone, like King's Throne, and I used to play like Mafia City, things like that. Um so since you know, I, I know I'm talking to a famous reviewer of adult entertainment films. So I want to take this opportunity to ask this question when it comes to the golden age of porn. And when I'm talking, I'm talking, you know, the years I'm talking about, obviously, what would you say was the all time greatest film that ever came out during that period of time? Wow. Okay. So I started, I started a little, not Debbie movie. does Dallas too. If you favor Sean with that statement, I know you're lying. What's it? I wasn't going to say that, but I knew you were going to DDD. I have one in mind, too. I'm curious, Roger. What, were you, what was I, that? <laughs> I, I will say that two is better than one in that series. Ouch. I, I, Ooh, yeah, okay. 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 I was a deputy in that movie. Which okay. was, I was a deputy with Alan Adrian. I worked with Lisa B. in that, in that movie. Thank you. I okay, now, now I would like to ask why you think that number two was better than number one. I really no, find his favorite movie. Find his favorite movie first. I'm curious about that. Well, if, if we go back to the golden age, I, I think that Marilyn Chambers' Insatiable is one of the best movies I've ever seen. And keep in mind, I'm a little too young to really, truly appreciate the golden age. I was six when um, Devil and Miss Jones came out. So all of that, when I started watching 10 years later, those were old movies. And to me, they couldn't hold up to what was current in 85. Um, and as an adult, as I go back and look, the focus on, on the sex scenes, once we went from film to video, when you had Ginger Lynn and Christy Canyon, there was more just sex and less story. And to me, that was appealing. Even though I like story, um, what frustrated me about some of the really old Golden Age is a scene that lasted three minutes. And that wasn't I mean, left me wanting to see so much more. So Insatiable, I think, balanced that out really well. I think Marilyn Chambers acted it beautifully. All of the the um, the co-stars were fantastic, and she was so sexually dynamic. That that's my favorite from that area. My all-time favorite movie, though, is a movie called Mystic Pieces that John Stalliano made with Tori Wells. That is just fantastic. Remember that. And I always tell people looking for a couple's movie, John Leslie made a movie called The Chameleon, also with Tori Wells for VCA, that I watched 
uh, with a woman I was dating at the time who didn't like porn. She loved that movie and she gave me the greatest critique ever. I said, why did you like this movie instead of the other hundred I've brought home? And she said, everybody in this movie had reason to have sex with each other and it made sense. Nice. And I thought that was perfect. It, it, that's, what, that's what it took for her was it took motivated characters. So Okay. And I can't let you get out of this question again. I really want to know why you favor the second Debbie Does Dallas compared to the first one. I found that was it has to be. Because you were in it. Okay. It, it was entirely Sean. 100% Sean. Um, oh, let's inflate that ego. We can't do it anymore. Go ahead, Roger. I found the cast to be more attractive overall. And I think we were already moving towards more of a focus on the sex. Uh, the first one always plays to me like a, a really fun, playful B movie that just happens to have a little hardcore thrown in. And I kind of feel the same way about um, even like Devil and Miss Jones and, and uh, some of the early, not behind the green door so much, but some of the really early ones, Deep Throat's the same way. Deep Throat to me is a great comedy, but the sex itself almost seems secondary. And so that's, I, I, I sort of walk that line between appreciating filmmaking and if I want a good B comedy, I'll, I'll go find a B comedy. Um, the sex has to make me want to stick around. And I found that more in Debbie Does Dallas 2 than in 1. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I appreciate the honesty considering that I am a huge fan of both of those films. I Debbie Does Dallas 1, Debbie Does Dallas 2. Debbie Death's Dallas 3 really doesn't kind of reach me very much because I didn't really think of that as campy. I kind of felt that as being more of like a, like a documentary of the first two films, you know, kind of, sort of. And I just really couldn't get into it. It's kind of like when people, you know, you talk about loving The Godfather 1, loving Godfather 2, but then it's like Godfather 3, you're like, did they really have to meet that one? So I definitely feel where you're coming from on that one, Roger. And I, and I appreciate the honesty. I really do. There's not a lot of people that would admit that. All right. No. Okay. Honestly, right. Let's, go, go ahead. Let's, uh, let's Eric Monty wanted to uh, ask one more question here before we, we left. And uh, we just have a couple minutes left. I'd like to keep these at pretty much right. Hi, Roger. Hi, Roger. Uh, hey, how you doing? Two movies I saw before I got into adult films, I really liked one was Barber Broadcast. Another one was um, Constance Money and um, uh, what was the movie? Um, uh, what was the movie, Patrick? Constance Money was in Misty Beethoven. What did you think of them, Roger? Um, oh, M M Misty Beethoven is fantastic. Um, I have the same problem with some of the other Golden Age. The, the sex was not as impressive as the acting and the writing. It um, They've both been sort of remade or were remade in the late 90s, and I appreciated those reboots because they they paid homage to the original and took time to write good stories but with and a lot of it's just technology um i used to film weddings back in the early 90s with a 45 pound camera on my shoulder it's hard to shoot with 45 pounds on your shoulder it's a lot easier with a three pound camera that you can hold in any position and get a great camera so if i think if those filmmakers could be transported to today and remake their movie i think you'd see something really special Thank you, Roddy. You've been very informative. I appreciate you. I mean it. You've been very Thank informative. You. Just a second, Sean. I know that uh, four years ago today, Bill Margold died. And, and he always pointed that out was 
if you forget to pay homage to the past, your future is shot. You will not have any future. And um, I hear that echoed a lot right now. And and let's talk about the future, Roger. Going going forward, 2020 forward, what is our future here? I think the adult industry is continuing to evolve into what I call a microeconomy. Right? For, for most of the history of adult films, a company had to invest money to pay for everything from pre-production, production, post-production, advertising. There's a long list, right? And so it had to make X amount of money to be profitable. And now a star with their iPhone and their boyfriend can make a scene in an afternoon for no money and sell it for $5, $10, whatever they're going to do and make money. And I think that's where we're we're gonna see. You're gonna see less big productions and more individual productions. Now, some stars have really embraced like the OnlyFans stuff, but then you've got someone like Riley Reed or Angela White who are making their own stuff. It's still production quality, but they control it. And I think that's where you're gonna find some of the best stuff, the performers that care enough about their brand to make it synonymous with greatness. Right. And now we've had this year 2020 where everybody's been at home. And so you've had stars that have had to do the OnlyFans just to kind of keep bread on the table. And then all, all the, uh, the conventions have been canceled. Do you see women who are on OnlyFans kind of saying, nah, the hell with the conventions, hell with the strip clubs. I don't want somebody pawing at me for a $5 bill all night long when I can make, you know, $100,000 a month on OnlyFans. Is, is that something we can see too? I, I think you will see that. I think when everything opens up and people go back out, some of that money might go away, but it's still easier as a performer and safer to be at home making money and whenever you want. There, for a big enough name, there's always going to be someone to tune in, and that's why camming works and less exposure to whatever's out there. Right. And I, I, I think... I don't think the industry is going to go away, but it's changed so much and so drastically. And unless we can find a way to put the free porn genie back in the bottle, you're going to continue to have companies that don't want to invest $4,000, $5,000 into a shoot because they're not going to recoup it. Right. Right. So, okay. Well, Roger, I certainly appreciate having you with us. And I mean, uh, it, it was fantastic. I think that the, the people are going to watch the replay and they're going to say, damn, I had a question. Anyway, we'll put the replay up all later tonight, and I'll get you a link, and you can share this with whoever you want to share it with, and uh, and uh, uh, let the wife and kids watch. What the hell? But anyway, that's uh, <laughs> what we have. But anyway, I do appreciate your time, and uh, like I said, you're invited back anytime to be uh, just a, a guest or uh, just a, a viewer, just like Sean or Eric or anybody else in the room too. So we appreciate. That'd be that great. I'd be honored. Yeah, Roger, thank thank you very much for coming on. I'm sorry I was late, but I'm glad I was able to uh, partake in the uh, second half of this. Uh, Thank you very much, Roger. I really appreciate your insight on the questions that I asked. Thank you very much. Thank you, Roger. I appreciate it. It was very informative. Good to meet you, too. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to meeting you all, seeing you all again soon. Okay, next week is uh, Jessica Darlin. Don't forget that. And uh, same time as always, and we will see you again next week.